0: We're going to be talking out of uh, our main main passages are going to be out of second, uh, First Samuel twenty five, but a little bit about the fast. When we got started, you know, we we're talking about what we could do and stuff like that. You know, I fasted sodas. Most of us have fasted a meal or social media or Xbox, whatever it is. Um, Jason even said that he was fasting pig stomach at one time because we talked about some other people eating pig stomach, and he said, "Well, I'm going to do the tough thing and I'm going to fast pig stomach." For some of us, that wouldn't be too tough, but for Jason, who just loves it, that's what he decided to do. Um, For me, I decided that, you know, uh, my main problem when we fast, I always focus more on what I'm giving up. I always focus on, you know, I want to drink a Dr. Pepper, or I want to eat lunch, or, you know, my main goal is to just not do whatever I'm not supposed to be doing. And um, so I really thought about it this time. What am I going to give up to really focus on the main part of fasting? And the main part of fasting is not really what you give up. It's giving yourself to God. It's giving more of your time to God and it's being more in His Word. And so every day for 21 days... I attempted, I didn't to succeed every day, but I attempted to give an hour and 10 minutes to God. I said, for an hour and 10 minutes, I'm going to do nothing but read my Bible, pray, and uh, just worship the Lord. And like I said, I, I wasn't very good at it. That's probably the hardest fast I've ever done. Um, you know, thinking back on it, whenever I got started, I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. You know, I can still drink Dr. Pepper while I'm doing it. You know, I can still watch TV. I can still get on Facebook. But for that hour and 10 minutes, I'm just going to be me and the Lord. And, um, you know, I, I try to read my Bible every day. I try to pray every day. So I was thinking, you know, this is going to be easy. You know, this thing will be tough. And I'm telling you, it was, it was a struggle. It wasn't something I would get 30 minutes in and I'd be like, I've definitely been doing this for two hours. I'd check the clock and I wouldn't even close. <laughs> um, but that was that was what I decided to fast because in today's time and any time, really, the, the most valuable thing you have is your time. It's, you know, it's more worth more than money. And how I know that is because we spend – uh, thousands of dollars every year on just entertainment you know whether it be uh, going to the water park or you know if you're really rich you can go spend 80 bucks of the movies for you and your wife to get a small bag of popcorn or something like that Um, Because that's how much it costs, $80 to go to the movies nowadays. But um, whatever it is, you know, we spend money on that. And I thought, you know, that's what I need to do. I need to focus on the Lord. I need to really focus on it. And every day I pray for each and every one of you. I pray for everybody that was sick. I pray for blessings on all of your families. I pray for job opportunities. I pray for uh, just for the, the virus to not get anywhere close to your families. And I'd get down and i have about 15 minutes left and I'd be like, I really need to focus on praying for everybody just growing closer to Christ. So that's what I started praying for and pushing in that, that everybody would get closer and closer to knowing the Lord and closer and closer uh, in a relationship with the Lord. And then I started to pray for our pastor and all he does for us and thinking about, you know, he comes in here on Sundays and Wednesdays and delivers a word every week, it's still while juggling his new job. And I, I really thank him for that. And I think, Uh, Like he said last week, this is his fourth year of being a here. so can we get a clap for him this morning? We can't say enough of how much we appreciate you, Rex, and it means a lot. And I really just pray for everybody, and I I think that is something that we all need to do, is continue to give our time to the Lord and make a habit of it. You know, 21 days can build a habit and building a habit of just spending time in your word, that's what I'm going to continue to try to do. Uh, If you would, stand with me. I know I used to think, I want to do the reading of the word, 2 Peter 2, 9, please. Um, I used to be that guy who was like, I can't believe Rex is making a stand again, but I'm going to be that guy this morning. So we're going to stand, we're going to read the word, and we're going to pray. 2 Peter 2, 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that's pretty good. You're God's special possession this morning. That you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to come in here and worship you, Lord, and, and learn more about you, Lord, and just really press in and, and, and listen to your word, Lord. And we praise you for being your holy priesthood, Lord, for being a special possession, Lord. It, it means a lot to us to know we mean a lot to you, Lord. We thank you for allowing us to come in here today, Lord. And we we thank you for the opportunity to come and learn more about you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, as I was fasting, I was trying to determine, you know, what I was going to do. I came across uh, this story in 2 Samuel that we're going to kind of talk about today and uh, I was reading Second Peter and came across this and I put it together I was like man I'm really going to talk about this. Talk about some people who became royalty that's my title this morning Becoming Royalty Alright so like we discussed uh, last week the veil was torn. We talked about it a little bit last week after we had our prayer time and worship time the veil was torn so that we could have a relationship with Christ so that we all could be a royal priesthood so that we didn't you know in old times they had to go to priests to confess their sins. They had to go to Go and offer sacrifices. They couldn't just, you know, go and do it themselves before Jesus died. And when he died, when that veil was torn, we were able to come and, and, and go boldly to the throne room whenever we want to. Um, we were literally, we literally know now the King of all kings. We literally have a relationship with the King of all kings, and he has called us to be a royal priesthood. And who knows that when your father's the king or your father's the pastor, you got to live up to the high. If Colin was here today, he would attest to that. Jordan can attest to it too. Sometimes you got to live up to the high. you got a lot of pressure on it. And, and, and you, if you don't believe that, you can go back and read the first part of Samuel as I was as I was reading Samuel and going through it. His own son, Jonathan, is uh, Saul's son. And Saul was king at the time, and uh, Jonathan was going to be heir to the throne. And whenever David came into play, Jonathan gave his robe, which signified that he was going to be Uh, uh, The heir to the throne gave his throne to David because Jonathan was a worshiper, and he knew that David was uh, called to be king. Um, And I think I I was thinking of that as I was reading. I was thinking, you know, some of us, uh, some people in this room who are parents, you know, you might see that, you might think, you know, you want the best for your kid. You know, you want your kid to be the your kid to be the next king. You want your kid to be the next major league baseball player, or uh, NBA player, or whatever the the next uh, greatest evangelist that ever was. And, um, you know, and I think at times we got to realize that sometimes it's okay for them to just be the worshiper. They don't have to be the king. It's okay for them just to be the, the uh, small group leader, or just to be like Jonathan, to, just to be the worshiper, just to be what God, uh, God has called them to be. And and we really have to take that in and realize it sometimes, because even uh, me and Jordan, we don't have kids yet, but one day I hope my kid is the next major league baseball player. But I will be happy as long as they are what God has called them to be, um, as long as they understand that they are uh, royalty to God, as long as they understand that they mean something to God. Right. And um, as I was thinking about that, I can only picture little Jenny on Facebook singing Queen Elsa, um, thinking that, you know, one day she will be like her, she'll be the next queen, she'll be the next princess. Um, so we got to step out of the ordinary lives and strive to be like the king, strive to be like the king of all kings. Uh, I was talking to someone the other day, and um, I asked them, you know, do you know what the term Christian means? And they said, well, yeah, it means to believe, uh, to believe the Bible, you know, to, to believe that Jesus Christ lives. And I said, well, it's more than that. I said, it's to strive to be like Christ. It's to be like the King, to be better and better. So today we're going to talk about two people, two unlikely people who became royalty, and also two people who fell from royalty. Because who knows, whenever you start living in your calling, if you walk away from that and you start doing other things, you can also fall from your calling. You can also fall from where you were supposed to be. All right, so we're going to start with a little background info on what's kind of going on. So David was on the rise to become king. Saul's still king. Um, Jonathan and David are friends. And David's trying to become king. And who knows, in today's time, very well can see it, Whenever somebody's the king or somebody's trying to be the next governor or be the next politician, whatever it is, they want to get your vote. They want to get you on their side and they'll do whatever they can. Um, One of the best things I learned from Jordan's grandfather was uh, he would always say, you need to be in with your politicians because he knows that they'll do whatever they can to get you what you want so that you'll vote for them and so that you'll spread the word that they're a good person. Well, David was trying to make his way to the top with the help of the Lord. And I think David was trying to get a vote whenever he see, he come across these people who were guarding these sheep. So in the story, there was these uh, couple guys, and they were guarding all the sheep in the wilderness, and David sent men to protect them. And uh, so at, at that time, you know, I think he's pulling the political move, trying to get their vote, trying to get them to understand he's going to be the next king. But at the same time, I think David saw a little bit of himself in these people. How many of you have ever seen somebody struggling and you say, I've been there before. I've been in that situation before. You know, I've dealt with that. I've been there. Well, David was a shepherd at one time. You know, David was out in the field watching over these men while his brothers were trying to be anointed king, even though that was the calling on his life. And I, I think David saw himself in these people and he said, you know what? I'm going to send comfort to them. I'm going to send help for them. And, and that's probably our greatest time of influence is when we see somebody going through something that we've already been through and stepping up and saying something.
1: Because a lot of people notice and do nothing.
0: A lot of people don't even look. Uh, a lot of people hardly pay attention. But what really matters is when you step in and say, hey, you have chance. I've been there. You know, or Jason, I've been there, I've been through that let me tell you about what I've been through let me tell you how God brought me through and that's really our greatest time of influence of showing people that we can get through it with God and what God can bring you through and David felt that David felt the stress in his under. he could have left them to the wolves he could have left them to the thieves or whoever but David said no, I've been there and I can help so I'll send comfort comfort that God gave me, I'll send to you because God brought me through it so time passes a little bit after this going on, and the word is spread that there's this rich man who has thousands of sheep and goats, and he's about to shear all of them. So that means he's going to cut off their uh, cut off their coats, and when you cut off your coats, that's how you get your money. That's how you get all kind of stuff from uh, shearing. Well, this man's name was Nabal. Oh. Uh, anybody want to take a guess what Nabal means? No, it doesn't mean your belly button when it's pointing out. That's with it be Nabal. Nabal literally means worthless. So, I don't know if anybody thought that, but it literally means worthless. So, David sent ten men to collect anything he can for protecting this guy's sheep uh, to help him on his way to the kingship. You know, he, he's not a rich man, but David was appointed. Um, and Nabal wouldn't give him anything. He was very rude to David's men. He told him, he said, I don't even know who this David guy is, even though he did. He said, how am I supposed to give my stuff to somebody I don't even know? Excuse me. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many times have you been protected? How many times have you been given a second chance? How many times have you been given a paycheck when you didn't really deserve one? How many times have all these things happened to you and you never gave back to God? You never gave God what was his. Uh, just the other night, me and my wife, we had a blessing that happened to us, um, something with our land, and I was sitting over there, you know, sports kind of sucks right now, so I was sitting over there, and I was like, let's go, you know? I was like, I was like sitting in front of the TV watching the praise. I like, let's go, you know, I'm so excited, and my wife's working on an email, and she's like, how many times are you going to say that? And I, I told her, I said, you know, until I feel like I praise Him enough, and you know, I, I think I'm, I'm still saying let's go, because you still can't praise God enough for all He's done for us. Uh, unlike this man, it didn't matter that he lived in excess. He wasn't going to give to David because he only thought about his own game. Why, when he wouldn't have, uh, he wouldn't even have had a lot of these sheep and David had to send protection for them. Um, because if you didn't know, notice a thousand sheep is a lot for two people to watch (laughs) out. Um, but, but just like this man, many of us, we only see with carnal eyes. We only see what's going on in today's time. We only see how God made us late, or we only see how God gave us that promotion. You know, we don't see how uh, God made us spill our coffee and made us late this morning. We don't see how he saved us from a wreck, or he saved us from losing our job, or all the things he's working out the spiritual realm that we don't see. But that's still not a reason to give what what God says, because Nabal didn't see this prediction that all these men tried to tell him about. He only hurt them. First thing that Nabal and King Saul had in common is they only made haste whenever they were doing something for themselves. They only thought of themselves and not any other people. The whole reason Nabal was anointed king. Uh, if you go back and read, Samuel, the whole reason David was anointed king is because King Saul only did for himself. And, uh, you know, at the, at the beginning part of the reign, Saul really was close to God. Um, Saul was close to God, but towards the end of his reign, he only focused about himself. He only looked for his personal gain. Uh, both of these men started falling from their place because they only thought about what they wanted. We've got to give God what's his. We've got to give God what's his whenever he protects us, whenever he gives us that second chance, whenever we don't deserve it. When He uh, you know, gives us that job when we thought we were never going to get it. And see, some of us thought, you know, I gave my 10%, that's enough. And, you know, I might get fired from saying this, but your tithe isn't enough. Um, it is a great start, and it is what you're called to, but you're called to give your life, to start living for the shepherd and stop living for self you know if, if, we, if we only focus on what we want and what we want to live for and just give our 10% and come to church every once in a month you know then we start living for ourselves and we can fall and lose our calling that God has put on us, and he can call someone else um I I put this in here do you think that Satan really cares if you come to church service if he knows as soon as you walk out he can twist your mind you know, he he knows whether or not you're going for the right reasons or anything like that. He knows that he can use things to change you and make you focus on yourself rather than on the show. Um, and I think a lot of times, you know, we're like Nabel when we get there and we're telling the story and we're like, you know, uh, you know, these things happened to me, but I made it through. Or, you know, I got that job, or I worked hard for it, you know, I, I made it happen. And, and so many times we leave God out, we forget God, we forget to say, you know, God's the one who protected me, God's the one who gave me the job you now, God's the one who looked over me and gave me a second chance and pulled me out of where I was. Um and you know, if we're so focused on what I did and what I accomplished, you know, we can we can end up going to hell with Abel just as quick as any any other sin in your life. I mean, you're so focused on what you did rather than what God did for you. Um and, you know, David's men were nice. Uh, that's what the, the servants and the sons of Nabal tried to tell them. You know, he was nice to us. They came, and um, Nabal pretended like we talked about earlier. He didn't even know him, But he knew who David was. And when David's men returned, just like the rest of us would be, David was mad. You know, you help somebody out, and they wouldn't do for you. Uh, he was fueled with anger. He told all 400 of his men, he said, strap on your swords and let's go. Um... And while on the way, Nabal's servants, uh, some of his sons, started to tell his wife, which is her name's Abigail, tell him what had happened. And that's what we're going to pick up. 17, I'm going to read verse 17. Now therefore, know this and consider what you should do. This is the servants talking to Abigail. For harm is determined against our master and against all his house. And he is such a worthless man that one cannot speak to him. (coughs) So this, uh, my notes tell me, you know, this in my Bible say it could be one of the sons, it could be the servants, because he says master, it could be any of the men, because David said he was going to kill every man in the household when he got there.
1: Um, does anybody know someone like
0: that that's so stubborn that nobody can even speak to them, that nobody can even uh, change their mindset? And that's the second reason that Saul and Nabal failed. They both didn't listen to the counsel of others. They thought, you know, I know best, and I've been there before. They thought, I got myself here. You know, um, I made it happen. I got this. I grew this business. I made this whatever it is. Um, and they keep, kept having that mindset that they put themselves there. Um, even Saul, whenever he got there, he thought, you know, I'm about to kill David. He got it cornered in two caves and still couldn't kill David. And uh Nabal too, he thought, I, I sheared all this sheep, I made all this happen. And once they get there, they refuse to listen to others. They don't listen to anybody around them. And David's men pleaded with him and told him, you know, uh, they were trying to be nice to us. They were trying to do good things for us. They protected us. But still, he wouldn't help
1: them. Um,
0: and I think sometimes. Uh, and then Saul, his son, tried to reason with him, tried to tell him, you know, you don't need to kill David. You know, he's a good guy. He's. Um, he's only living for the Lord, he's got the spirit of the Lord on his left, but they wouldn't listen. They thought they could handle a situation that was out of background. How many people have ever been there You thought you could handle a situation and there was a step above you? You may be the king, but you're not God. Let me say that again. You may be the CEO, but you're not God. You may be the basketball best basketball player in the world, but you're not God. You may be the next LeBron James, but you're not God. Sometimes we gotta just give it to God and let God handle the situation. Yeah. Um, and, and stop stepping out of our pay grade stop stepping out of what we're working towards just to try to fix a situation that you can't even fix listen to the council around you uh, and something that I'd like you to notice about this church is a diverse council that we have we have several men and women in our church that, uh, that help lead the church and help um, you know, vote and, and make things happen but most importantly we have several men and women who are going to listen to the call of God on our life who are going to listen and, and vote whether or not they think what the Lord has for them and not what they want I would say one of the main reasons that churches reach less and less people uh, every year as they go on is their inability to listen to the counsel around them, their inability to, to listen to what's going on in the, in the neighborhoods and the, um, the community that they're in and churches are dying every day and becoming more and more vacant Because they're so focused on just keeping what they already have. So focused on stuck in our own way. So focused on we're never going to change. We're going to be like this. Um, And they might say, well, boy, I don't believe that, you know, God don't change. Why do we got to change? Or, um, you know, why does the church got to change? Why does it got to be like that? And it's not always about making something better. Uh, Sometimes it's about making something better. So making something pop, making something more apt for people to bring people in, making something that will draw people in. And I think, you know, if the Word dies with you, then most likely the Word has died within you. And what I mean by that is the Word literally tells us that we need to go into the end of the earth too. The the Great Commission is literally to, to go and to preach to these people and to tell people about Jesus. But if the Word dies within you, then you're not even doing what it called you to do. Um, you know, you, you got you ended up stuck in the church where there was forty people, and it never changed. And then the church died, and, and the word never got out. Like, what? What would the point of the Bible be if it never was spread? If it was, and you say, you know, well, this is an old book, but this this word is relevant. And if you don't believe me, just get on Facebook at the church. You'll see fifteen teenage uh, girls that posted a scripture that fit, fit with their life. Um, this book is relevant. It can it can, uh, it can uh, go with everything that we're dealing with. And, and that don't mean, you know, to change your belief. You can remain firm in your beliefs, but you've got to be open minded to others' approach. Um, and sometimes our beliefs have got to change. Sometimes I read something in Scripture that I thought meant something,
1: and then I, I went back and prayed about it, and I was dead
0: or wrong. I didn't understand about it. And sometimes that's something that we got to be open to and understand. And see, some of us are so hard-headed like Nabal that we just want to you know, stick our, head in, or stick our head in the dirt and not worry about the changes that are going around. Us. Um, but it, we see it day to day. The church is changing, the world is changing, and the new normal is starting to take place. The new normal of uh, having live services on Facebook and um, having live services on Wednesdays and small groups that are Zooms. You know, the no- new normal is taking place in our daily lives. And and a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people want to push that away. But if if we're reaching people and we're spreading the gospel, that's what we're called to do. I think about these seats. I think about whenever we got here, we measured them off, and we're like, this ain't going to be no permanent thing. This is going to be just for the time being. You know, All this will be over later. And now these seats, we don't remember what the seats were like before. I know I don't. All we think about is, you know, this is what it's like. This is what we come to every Sunday. This is the new normal. It'll never be the same as it was yesterday. Uh, just like the sanctuary. Put all the hard work into the sanctuary. Um, you know, we made it new. We made it clean. We made it uh worthy to the Lord. We made it the best we could. And now it's just normal. You know, we, we, we never I don't feel like we ever really, we ever really uh the Lord enough for what all he's doing. But I know what I'm never gonna yeah. never gonna uh forgive what he has done for us in, in this sanctuary. Uh, verse 18 says then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves loaves and two skins of wine and five sheep already prepared and five seeds of parched grain and a hundred clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on dogs (coughs) Uh, I'd like to note the first thing that Abigail and David both did when they heard what they had done. The first thing that it takes to become royalty is they made haste. They strapped their men with swords, they strapped their donkeys with all the stuff that they were gonna bring. They made haste to find him. And that's my first point for becoming royalty. Um, a year or so ago, I don't quite remember where it was, me and my wife took a vacation. We went to when I say this word, you're all going to think about it in everybody loves Gatlinburg, you think about the mountains, you think about all the shops, you like me, you think about the candy stores, you think about uh, the lifts that take you up and down, John loves them, you think about the bridge, we walked across, I walked across the bridge, he was too scared to.
1: Um, but we were just, we went, we were having a great time. I remember
0: we were uh, making our way down there. We were in No rush. We made a couple snacks snack stops. If you're like me, love to get snacks on the way there. And uh, we get there, we unload our stuff. It was evening time, we went to bed. We woke up next morning and we were thinking all day, you know, we had a day ahead of us planned. We were thinking all day that she had just got a call for an for a job that next day, which kind of sucked because we was driving in the middle of our trip, but we knew we we knew in the back of our mind we had to do something to make it happen. So we you know we spent our day together, we had a good time, and we got back, and it was about eleven o'clock and we decided, you know what, let's just pack up, let's just go on home and get ready for the interview in the morning. And anybody knows if you're making that four-hour trip, you've got to have something to keep you awake at night. And I remember we were just eating boiled peanuts and mountain dew, gotta cage of boiled peanuts, because if your hands move and your mouth's moving, you ain't gonna fall asleep. Amen. <laughs> and um but we stayed away, i asked her interview questions like, um, oh, Miss Jordan, what are you gonna do whenever you get the presidency? And stuff like that, there's all these goofy questions we were asking. And uh, we finally got there, went to sleep, and woke up, and then it turned out she had to stay for a couple more days. But sometimes when God calls you, you gotta leave. Yeah. Sometimes you might be in the middle of a vacation, but whatever God called, God calls you, God appoints you to do something, you just gotta go. You just gotta vacation. You gotta pack up everything. And you've got to make your way to what he's calling you to. And that's what we did. We, we gave up what we were doing. We, we put all our folks behind us because we had been praying for this job. We had been praying for, you know, all this hard work that she had done in college to pay off. And that's what he had planned for her. That was what he, he, he had in store for her. When God, God calls you, you got to make haste. you got to stop what you're doing again. Uh, and sometimes that means leaving that vacation. Sometimes that means stepping out of your comfort zone. Sometimes that means leaving that high-paying job. Uh, sometimes that means giving away your sheepskin, giving away the things that you worked hard for, that you paid for, that you made happen to make what God called you to do happen. And, and why has God called? You? That's why enough. And when God calls royalty, makes haste. They don't stop and think. They don't stop and let their mind change them. Um, And see, sometimes, and you you might say, well, boy, I don't have the best house, or I don't have the most luxurious car, or I don't don't do this or that, but sometimes royalty is a shepherd boy. Sometimes royalty is a courageous wife who's willing to make a move when God calls her. Uh, Sometimes royalty is just being the son of the king of all kings, and under him you become royalty. Uh, so, when God calls, you got to make haste. You've got to pack up on your vacation. You've got to leave your job. You've got to do whatever He is calling you to do and go. Um, and it may be taking those 400 men, strapping them, and getting ready to go attack this family. But when you've been anointed, you know that you're going to be safe. You know that you're going to be under God's calling for what He's done for you. Uh, so many times in my life, I've noticed whenever God calls me, uh, it might be that, uh, just calling to pay for somebody's dinner. Um, I think back to a time if, if I don't do it immediately it probably won't ever happen I'll talk myself out of it or I'll, I'll say oh that was just good, that wasn't God you know, that was just a good thought I had, that wasn't God um, I think the time me and Jordan we were eating uh, at rock and roll sushi, really good sushi place if you've ever been there, uh, if you like hunting food and fish
2: um, but we are eating there and I seen this couple walking I was like you know I should
0: probably pay for that food and I, as we sat there went through dinner I was like you know that was just a good thought that was just something I wanted to do for those people. And we sat there, we ate, we finished our meal, and I looked over, and I happened to notice the guy was over there, and he was, he was looking, he didn't have his wallet. And uh, you could just tell, he, they were about 20 years old, 19 years old, they were on a date, and uh, he didn't have his wallet, and he walked out of his truck, and I remember thinking, you know, God called me to pay for their dinner, and I stopped. And now they're in a situation that I could have prevented. You know, now they're in an embarrassing situation, so... I went over there and I paid for their dinner and, and the guy come up to us so after he got back in his truck and he couldn't even look at us. He was so embarrassed. He was like, "You know, thank you," and it was kind of scared up. But sometimes when God calls you something, you just got to do it. You yeah. know, you, you you might end up making things happen if you wait. You might end up, you know, messing yourself up because your mind just tries to talk you out of it. If you're like me, make haste, church. You're called the royalty, and now more than ever, people need to see you living like Christ. Uh, Now more than ever is a time of uh, good versus evil, and the world isn't even trying to hide it anymore. It's out there. We can see what's good and evil, what's going on. And we need to be the good. We need to be like Christ. We need to be like the king of all kings. Not only does royalty make haste, they make haste to find him. Searching for someone, the only one who can fix the situation completely. Church, how fast do you run to God when you're in a situation? How fast do you turn to him when you're in a pickle? How fast do you turn to God uh, when your friend might put you in a situation you don't want to be in or you're around some peer pressure? How fast do you turn to God? You see, royalty, they make haste to find you. They turn to him whenever they know they need him. And some of us, we, we see how far we are from royalty because we haven't pursued Christ in years. We haven't uh, stopped what we're doing and chasing him and just longing to be around him and I think of you know how many times you know wives would say, I just want my husband to pursue after me. And it's not like that in a relationship with Christ. God pursues us at first, but then it's our job to pursue him. It's our job to stop doing what we want and start doing what he wants for us. Because he loved us first. He pursued us first. That's good. Uh just like a song uh David sings. What's the name of it? Uh, Breakfast love. and love. You know, he he pursues after you. He'll kick out any door to find you. And then once you find him, it's your job or your life to pursue him. It's your job to, to chase after him and, and grow closer to him. Uh, and in verse 19, it says, And she said to her young men, Go on before me, behold, i come after you. But she did not tell her husband, Nathan. I threw this verse in there because I want to notice that uh, she didn't tell her husband. Now, wives, that don't mean you can go buy a new Gucci bag and not tell your husband. That don't mean you can go do whatever you want and not tell your husband. But I, I wanted to point out uh, in my Bible, in my notes, it says that she didn't tell her husband because she was obeying the Lord. Um, I think, and when I read this, I think there's a lot of uh, church members that need to hear this. When it comes into your, your marriage, you need to obey God before you obey God you need to focus on God and your relationship before anything else because if the person you're with is constantly leading you to disobey God, they're going to lead you to hell along with them, they're they're going to take you away from Christ, they're not going to bring you closer, and I think a lot of times whenever me and Jordan were dating I I watched her continually pursue Christ, I knew that I needed to start pursuing Christ too I knew that if I were going to be with her I had to start doing what was best for my relationship with the Lord so many people have that God comes first in God in our marriages, in our family. God comes first. If God doesn't come first, it'll never be good. Um, and you know what? There are several marriages can make it without God. I've seen it happen. I know several people that don't have God in their marriage. But you know what won't last without God? That's you. You're not going to last without God. You will die and ultimately go to hell if you don't have God. You won't to spend that eternity with Him. Um, and, and sometimes as Christians we need to realize that we need to realize that we, did, we are called to pursue Christ and we are called to obey Him. we are called to do what we got to do to make things happen Abigail uh, goes to David and she runs up to him she falls on her face and she starts explaining what happened um, as I was reading this and there's several verses in between that as I was reading this I only noticed uh, you ain't gotta raise your hand guys, but how many people know that your wives or your spouse
1: tend to tell every
0: detail when it comes to a story? Maybe it's be my own, but they tend to tell every detail to where at the end you might not even remember what's going on. She'll be telling a story and I'll be like, What who started with who?" I, I, I completely forget. But that leads me to my next point. David Listen. David Listen. One of the biggest jobs we we're called to without ever um being designated a tire place is to listen. It's to listen to what God has called you to. Do. It's to listen to people when they need help. Yes. I had a good friend uh, a couple years ago. He he was going through a lot and he knew a little bit about Christ. And you know, I try to tell him a little bit about it as a well, win, you know, but but after I would try to, you know, tell him tell him about God, you know, he always wanted to talk to me. He always wanted to just tell me what he's going through, Tell me how he didn't have his money. on here telling me how his, his family was on drugs and he, he he really didn't know what to do and it, it made it hard for him to not be on drugs. And he would tell me, you know, his girlfriend had just cheated on him and then he tried to get back with her and it didn't work out. And I remember he, he told me how much it meant just to listen. You know, he, he, ta- he told me that, you know, in those times that I listened, that was whenever he knew that there was a God. There was there was a God above us because he knew if I cared, somebody else cared. Mm-hmm. And I tried to remind him that times went on, you know, they seemed to get better. Uh, I stopped talking to him for a couple months, and I was scrolling through Facebook about a year ago, and I seen that kid who was probably 22, he overdosed, he died. Um, and I can only remember thinking, I was like, you know, I wish I'd have been there to listen one more day. I wish I'd have been there just to uh, help him one more day. How many people's ever been there where you just don't know if you're going to make it one more day, and you just need somebody to talk to? Right. And I think, you know, we are called to listen. We're called to listen to these situations and to help people you know, sometimes we can be Jesus by just listening to their story and, you know, we can tell them about them there. Um, Because you could be the one, the reason they make it through the day. You could be the reason they keep going. You never know. Uh, you see, David didn't have to listen to this woman. Um, Abigail didn't have to listen to these men who told her um, our, our household is about to be attacked. They didn't have to listen. Abigail was rich. David didn't have to listen to his wife uh, to this lady because the man had already wronged him. And sometimes if you're like many, most men, you don't want to listen anyways if somebody does you wrong. You just want to give revenge. Um, But they listen. They listen and they save a whole household of wives by just listening. Um, You see, sometimes listening to someone can help them get through another day. Sometimes you've got to just be Jesus first then tell them later love people and listen you don't always have to help but you can always listen and see that was another downfall of Nabal and Saul that we talked about earlier they didn't listen they didn't listen to the people around them they were wealthy they got to where they were and they thought they knew what was best You know, Nabal had all these goats all these sheep he was rich he had the Bible tells us that Abigail was intelligent that she was very beautiful imagine having all that stuff and still going to hell imagine thinking you've just been so successful and still go into hell. Mark 8.36 says, um, What is a man who gains the whole world and loses his soul? You know, we can have everything in this life, but we can still lose our soul. See, you can be rich, have the nicest house, have the nicest car, the sports model life, whatever it is, but unwilling, uh, unwillingness to listen to God kept him from being royalty, and ended up determining his fall But Abigail and David's willingness to listen saved of life. Uh, David's willingness to listen helped spread the word of the great man he was, and ultimately helped him get to where he was to be king What God had called him. be. world listens, and they listen to him. I'm reminded of last week, you know, I feel like a lot of us, we listen to the call of the Spirit. We listen to what was going on around us. We worship, we prayed, we honor, but most importantly, we listen to him. And because we listen to him, the Spirit moved and fell us. And see, at times we can deny the spirit. We can deny the call of God. We can we can turn it down, but we know what we're supposed to do most of the time. We know what we're supposed to do, and sometimes we still don't do it. We stay seated, or we just let the keep the choir keep singing. We don't participate, but royalty listens to the call. Uh, verse thirty one says, "My Lord shall have no cause of grief or pains or of conscience for having shed blood without cause." for my Lord, working salvation himself. And when the Lord has dwelt with my Lord, then remember your service. That was Abigail talking to David, her last little part of her story. Um, then they part ways, and Abigail returns home. And when they get home, her husband's just partying, throwing a feast, celebrating, you know, we just got all this uh, sheepskin that came in, all these great things, <clears throat> and she decided it was best to wait and tell her husband in the morning what she had done uh, the next morning they wake up, she tells Nabal what had happened, and it said that Nabal, uh, my notes in my Bible says basically he suffered a stroke, he suffered a heart attack, and ten days later he died. Um, uh, and the last thing that I wanted to point out about Nabal and Saul is that they celebrate earthly things. They celebrate, they party over the things that they gained over that. Uh, could you imagine your only goal in life was to get money and get more of it? Uh, could you, which is most of the rap songs, nowadays. I probably just said a rap there and didn't realize it. Could you imagine your only goal in life was to keep your son as a royal heir and not let David become the next heir? Could you imagine church living your whole life and not living for God? Uh, this, this tiny little bit of life we have and we have an eternity on the other side. You see they were so focused on what they could see, they didn't notice the battle wasn't over. They didn't notice that God still was in control. Saul
1: twice thought he had killed David. He, he cornered him in a
0: cave. And, and twice uh David came out of the out of the back. Uh he was hiding and came from behind him. And one time he even cut his robe and said, I'm not going to kill you. He was still serving the king, even though he knew he was supposed to be killed Uh the third thing that royalty does that David and Abigail did, they let God take vengeance. I think this is uh it's something that's been dealing with me the last couple times I preached. I, I want to talk about revenge. Revenge is a tough word, it's something that you know. People that aren't even Christians, you know, if they're going to let, let God take place, they let a higher call. it. They say karma. Everybody's heard of karma. You know, karma won't get them. I just want to be able to worry about Karma won't get them. But we know that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. We know we have to let him handle it. And, and that's a tough pill to swallow at times. It's one of the hardest things as, as a Christian that we're called to do. And it starts with forgiveness. It starts with getting that unforgiveness out of your, your heart and out of your mind. Really forgiving them for what they've done. Because we don't need revenge. We just want revenge. Um, And and I remember several times in my lives where I would would sit at home and I would literally think about getting revenge on someone and I was only hurting myself. I wanted them to feel the pain that I was feeling while I was still enwrapping my mind in what was going on around us. See, we don't need revenge. We just want it. Because you want to make them feel that pain that you've experienced, that suffering that you went through. Oh, while still suffering because your mind's still on what happened. Just let it go. Just wash your hands of Uh, whatever whenever I wrote that down, I was thinking of whenever the coronavirus started, just wash your hands like they talked about the coronavirus. Every time somebody does something wrong with you, just wash your hands. Just take a minute, just you know, wash your hands up. clean your hands from it, sick. and just bless them. Just tell them, you know, the Lord will handle it. You know, the Lord will handle that situation. I remember sitting in a Wednesday night class in that back room back there and uh, I can't remember what it was about, but they were talking about when you really forgive someone, you will bless them. You will pray blessings over their life. And that's stuck with me for weeks now. I, I bet any time somebody wrongs me, I just bless them. I pray blessing over their life so I can, I can really forgive them because I, I don't want them to fail just because of the sin that they have in their life. Royalty focuses on God and lets God focus on our enemies. Uh, after Nabla died, David hears about it and he worships the Lord, and he sent for Abigail to be his wife. And when the messengers got there, she fell on her face and said this in verse 20 to 42. <clears throat> when the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to you to take you to him as his wife. And she rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. <clears throat> And Abigail hurried and rose and mounted a donkey and her five young women attended her. She followed the messenger of David and became his wife. The last thing royalty does is they serve. You see, Samuel anointed David while Saul was still king. And it says in the Bible, a couple chapters back, go back and read it, it says that when David was anointed, the spirit of the Lord fell on David and the spirit of the Lord left Saul. See, whenever Saul was king, he had the spirit of the Lord. And it says, an evil spirit came on the spirit of Saul. And it, it, it's one of my favorite stories of mine. Saul sitting there in the castle, and he tells these people about this evil spirit. And um, they said, like most people do, they say, well, just get somebody to come in here and play a leader. And uh, so I was thinking, like, Saul, you know, first of all, I don't even know what a lyre is, but where are we going to find somebody that plays with him? Somebody that can dispel this spirit by just playing. And they said, we got just the man. His name is David. Uh, and, and it hit close home to Saul because they were both a Benjamin, which is a, uh, a tribe back then. And they, they were both from there. And in came walking David. David would come in and serve the sitting king while he had already been anointed to be the next king. You see, so many of us are worried about getting into our calling that we forget we have to serve first. And we forget that we have to work our way to get there. We don't just start at the top. We have to work it up like David. David served the king before becoming the king. David had time after time to still kill the king, like we talked about earlier in the cave, but he didn't. He was still honoring and serving the sitting king. He knew God would handle life. Sometimes your calling is right in front of you. Sometimes your calling is right where you can touch it, but to get there, you might have to go around the block, and nobody likes to hear that. David could literally touch his calling, but David couldn't step into it until he had served see some of us don't want to serve we just want to sing some of us don't want to uh, uh, don't want to work we just want to have or don't want to help we just want to have and that's not how it works to be the king you must serve the king and to be like Christ you must also serve Christ um, and I didn't want to leave this part out whenever David would come in you know, he'd bring the spirit of the Lord in with him when he'd come to play and I think that was really what a peace saw he felt that spirit when he came in he felt what he used to have And um, how many of us know that whenever we see something that we used to have and somebody else has it, we'll do whatever we can to get it back. And that, once it started to wear off, once that uh, just a little bit, whenever David would come in would wear off, that's whenever Saul knew that he had to try to kill David to get it back. You see, some people under the sound of my voice are losing their dynasty because they're so focused on getting back what they've lost. Some of us are destroying our whole kingship, chasing after something that God took from you a long time ago. You see, Saul could have been the forever king. When Samuel anointed him, Samuel thought he wasn't going to have to anoint any other kings. Don't destroy the rest of your reign fighting your replacement. Don't be like Saul. Don't be like Naaman. be like David and Abigail. Make haste when God calls. Listen when he speaks. Let him handle your problems and serve him for the rest of your life. And one day, you will go home to riches and crowds in heaven waiting for you. Doesn't that just sound amazing? Become royalty. Don't be replaced. I'm going to pray for us. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you give us, Lord. Thank you for this word that you have, you have bestowed upon me, Lord. I, I'm so honored to be here and just to, just to give your word, Lord. And I, I thank you for using me, Lord. I thank you for everybody in this room who, who comes in here week in and week out just to learn more about you and grow closer to you. Lord, I pray for the Smith family, Lord. I pray for the uh, Pastor Rex's dad his brother, Lord. I pray for all the situations that are going on right now. I pray for Miss Lloyd, Lord. I pray that you would handle those situations and be there and just be that light in their life, Lord. I pray that they would turn to you in that time of need, Lord. That they would look for you and just look up and just know that your will is the way, Lord. We, we praise you for that, Lord. We praise you for this service this morning, Lord. We praise you for all that you've done and your ability to just come in here and worship you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Yeah. That's how we find our yeah. This is how I love
1: yeah. Yeah. Part of serving Jesus is the first thing you have to do is answer the call of Jesus to your heart. That's when we go. Part of growing in Jesus and being a disciple then being as a disciple, we're becoming more like Christ is being able to listen to the word and be changed. The boy hit the nail on the head of the hole. Yeah. And at the end part of it, as we're discipled and becoming more like Christ, what we want dissipates and what Christ wants becomes paramount at the forefront of our life. That's called discipleship. When his disciples first met him, they really wasn't my life servant. Remember? He rebuked them, told them to get them behind the Satan. He corrected them. He even I whispered in Judas's ear when Judas protected and betrayed you. Go and do what you're doing quickly. It was Judas' choice. He could have been with the others. So the humbling part about this word is one man made a bad choice because he wouldn't go, he wouldn't listen, he wouldn't serve. And it cost him his life. It cost him his soul. So, well, Pastor, what does that have to do with us? If we don't go, if we don't listen, we don't serve, we're not like Christ. And then he said, well, Pastor, that's a only word. The Bible tells us those he loves, he chases, he corrects us. You know, my dad used to tell me all the time before we get ready to spank him, Brother Keith, he'd say this is gonna hurt you for hurt me for more than it hurts you. And I was thinking the opposite. No, this hurt me more than it's hurting me. <laughs> so I had my own two kids and I had and I felt realized how bad it hurt to be able to explain my kids and correct my kids. How how it really ripped my heart out. But we did it because we loved it and we wanted them to make the right decisions. The word of God is good and God blesses us and God strengthens us. The Bible says those He loves, He chases. He corrects. And He blesses us. Another thing too, the main thing, if we can just lock into this, I'm not I'm going to re-preach what boy preach He did a great job way. Anyway. But we need to understand as we become more like Christ, the more desires and thoughts and wants we have, we're going to dissipate. We're going to want what He wants. And we're going to desire what He desires. Let me say this. God does not have a problem with you having things. God has a problem with things having you. That's what he has a problem. Because we pursue things that we don't need. Has like ever had something and you lost it or sold it or got rid of it and wished you had it back? You know. There's been many times when I go to hook to a trailer, chance and I go to pull something with that little car, I wish they had that Nissan type because the Titan was made to pull. Even though the little truck was old and raggedy and parts were falling off of it and it didn't run like it used to, I didn't worry about scratching. You see what I'm saying? I, there's many days I wish I had that old faded out blue time Titan because, because it could do the job. A lot of times we as Christians, we forget about what God's blessed us with and begin, immediately begin to look back over our shoulders. But I'm going to tell you today, church, when I close with this, we are a blessed people We get up every morning with plenty of food to eat. And every day that we get up and we have health and we have life and we live in the greatest country on the face of this earth, every day, we're blessed. Every opportunity we have to come into this house. Do you know that many churches in China and Russia today have to meet underground because the government will not allow them to worship? They're burning their Bibles. There's many Christians being. Martyr for the faith every day in this world. You just don't hear about it. We're blessed people. We need to be honoring with God with our lives. Amen. Great word today, Lord.